spectacular episode of the Type Beam. It is I, Shannon, and I am joined as always by my stellar co-hosts. I'm tired. Uh, Andrea and Fred. We're gonna start with Andrea because it's alphabetical. Andrea, how are you doing today? You're an imposter. You're not Shannon. Okay, you are Sully from Monsters, Inc. (laughs) She's wearing this onesie that is super cute and ridiculous. So this is not Shannon. So by the end of this show, she should be singing I Wouldn't Have Nothing If I Didn't Have You. Oh, God. If she doesn't, then I quit. No, I can't. I'm not going to sing on this show. I am doing well. I just came from a whole entire week of snow days for school, so I haven't been at school, mm. and mm. I'm tired of it. I want to go back mm. to work. I have the biggest, like, cabin fever ever, so mm-hmm. I'm over it. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to save I'm going to save any explanation for after Fred cuz it would be rude to to jump the order here. So so Fred, how are how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Andrew going back to work as well. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's, yeah, and I mean that in the nicest way. Yeah, I, I was going to say when you looked over and I was like I don't think he's going to like what he sees when he looks over. <laughs> so I hope he has a good save for that one. Yeah, it's snow days are rough when you have a lot of them in general. They're just rough on everything. Yeah, you just run out of things to do. Yeah, you do run out of things to do. Unless you like, you know, feel like adventuring out into it as you guys typically do. Down here, nobody nobody goes anywhere. Yeah, yesterday we did a a quick hike. Um, We actually have trails that are in the, that start in like our backyard, basically. Um, we had met up with some friends and we've never actually explored the trails that are in our backyard. We've been living here for just over a year mm-hmm. and we always go drive to more remote hikes. So it was really interesting. Um, this is the first time we've hiked in our backyard. It was fantastic. We spent about three hours out there mm-hmm. and we came across these, um, icicle caves. It was really neat. Um, uh, it's been really cold out. Uh, with all the moisture, lots of icicles have been forming off the overhanging rocks and just looks mm-hmm. like curtains of ice. It looks pretty cool. Uh, Andrea shared lots of pictures on our Instagram if anybody cares to take a look. <laughs> if anyone wants to see some sick icicles. <laughs> oh, I wanted to stab somebody with them. Oh, but I well, that's not the direction I would have gone in. But <laughs> respect, respect. There, there are some moments where I'm like looking up these icicles and like if some of these fell down, we, we'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah, they were big. Yeah, they there were was like some scary big. That were probably like almost a foot in diameter and probably feel... 10 feet long. Oh, Jesus. I feel like this is something our listeners should be interested in because you never know. It could be one of the things you find on those alien worlds. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. You never know. You never know what you're going to find through that ring. You might find me in a James P. Sullivan onesie. Probably. (laughs) You'd be the person that greets everyone. (laughs) Yeah, for anyone who uh, follows me on social media, I went shopping with my friend, and I was supposed to be there to help her shop for work clothes and ended up finding a Sully from Monsters, Inc. onesie on the clearance rack and that's uh, work obviously clothes. I had to have it. That's awesome. It's two sizes too big for me, but it makes it amazing. Can you bring it to work? 
Like, maybe at my old job. Not not at the new one. Start. Well, it's like my Disney job day. now is like nuts. Is there a specific day for like Disney? It's a holiday. Because on May the 4th, I'm going to be going all out for school. I'll dress up. Oh, they let teachers do that, though. They don't let baristas do that. Baristas should be allowed to do that. They need to have fun. They have stressful jobs. Do it on barista today. Yeah, we do. We do have stressful jobs. But I think, well, the the, da- the one downside is, is it has a hood, um, which are, are not regulation. You're not allowed to have hoods. But the best thing about the hood is it has eyebrows on it. Yeah, it, it has eyebrows okay. on it, like you Sully's should, um, giant eyebrows. Pluck those, so Shannon. They're, they're getting too I can... big. What? You should pluck those. They're getting too big. No, they're perfect. And now I get to be James P. Sullivan in my own home. Yes. Which, uh, Monsters, Inc. Is, was my favorite Pixar movie for a really long time, so it felt like destiny. It was. But. Yeah, so so enough about uh, my onesie. Um, I'm trying to find a comfortable way to wear the hood without pulling my hair because of the headphones I have on for recording. Um, let's talk about the episode. Let's talk about The Expanse. Um, I just lost my show notes because, of course, that happens. So today we're going to be talking... Actually, before we talk about the show, dumb, I, we've got some cool other things to talk about. Some fun news and things like that. And the biggest news we have is we have merch now. Yeah. Yeah. We have Tight Beam merch. Um, if you go on T Public, search the Tight Beam, you'll find a simplified version of our show logo. You can get on anything like t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and pins and things like that. I already ordered a shirt and a hoodie and then realized I could have also ordered pins. So I'll probably go order some pins. I was very sad about it. I like pins. How dare you? I know. How dare (laughs) I not spend money on our own show and network? I know, right? Um, (laughs) Basically, uh, any purchase you make on um, from Random Chatters T Public, the money that we get from those sales actually just goes to network costs and things like that, keeping our lights on. Um, So, if you guys want any cool Type B merch, if you like listen to any of the other shows on the Random Chatter Network. Um, there's a couple of different shows that have stuff up there, and you can go ahead and, and get yourself a little something-something and help support us and the network, keep our lights on, so we can keep uh, talking about weird things like icicles <clears throat> and onesies, you know? That's what everybody <laughs> loves to talk about. That's all. That's why they listen to our show, <laughs> not The Expanse. <laughs> Who cares about The Expanse, right? Um. So do you guys like I know we didn't put up the one without the title on it yet, but do you guys have any plans? You guys going to get anything? No, I haven't actually made any purchases on T Public yet. Um, this has been something I've been meaning to do now that Christmas is behind us. I think I can find deep dig and uh, dig deep into my pockets and see if I could pull out some money and help support our own show. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just buy stuff so the money goes right back into supporting our show. That's exactly why we do it. You're welcome, Tim. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're doing it for you, Tim. Not for us. For you. Not because we want cool stuff with our show on it. Nah. Um, I I think the Tight Beam logo is one of my favorites on the network. I really like that one. Um, Probably my next favorite. The next favorite one that I'm really looking forward to being released, and it's not out yet, is the Chattering Teeth Holding the Lightsaber. Yeah, that would be fun. I'm, I'm, that's the one I was looking forward to, but I will probably pick up a Type Beam as well. 
Yeah, I um, I did a couple of covers for the Random Chat Network. One of them has been retired. I was told it was coming back. It's not a huge deal. It's I'm not upset about <laughs> sure, it. Sure, um, sure. Not upset at all. No, I'm really not upset about it. But um, the new logo is a lot cooler. So I, I just try not to say that. I try not to admit that in front of other people. But um, I think the typing was my favorite one that I came up with just because we went through... God, Andrew, do you remember how many oh. times we went through like trying to find the right look for it? We went through trauma. We went through a lot. Out. We went through tears, actually. Like, not yeah, even I think a I joke. Did cr- I did cry we went, a few times. We argued so much, but we we're still friends, so I guess that worked out. Well, and it wasn't even just us, too. We had um, Lou and, and Eric were in on it. That's and man, true, yeah. I would finally make something I really liked. And then someone would be like, okay, but what about if you cut this and change the color? And I would just scream. Because yep. um, the answer would come six hours later. So like I'd be happy with it for six hours. And then they would break my soul. So Ouch. We like doing that to you. I know. I know. They did. That's why they asked me to do two more covers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was really excited to put this up and, and share this with everybody. And- <clears throat> Get it on some cool stuff. Um, in non-typing related news, I sent this to you guys. I don't know if you watched it, but there is for finally, for the first time ever, an Expanse blooper reel. I haven't seen it yet. I'm pretty excited to see it though. It's hilarious. Like I cried laughing watching it. I still That's do. Awesome. It's, no, it's awesome uh, here. It's, I'll, I'll definitely it's, it's check it good. out as well. Yeah, definitely check it out. Then we could talk about it um, in whichever episode we record after you guys check it out. Um, there's also, uh, they released on Spotify a series of cast playlists. Basically, they had each cast member um, uh, from the main cast, except for, no, I think they got the entire main cast. And they had them come up with playlists for their characters. Um, so I think... I've heard that Stevens is the best one, and I've listened. I, that's the only one I've listened to all the way, and it's it's really good. Um, Wes put blank space on Amos's oh dear. by Taylor Swift, which is a choice, but I respect. Um, but they're really really interesting. Um, Charades is is very interesting for Avasarala. So definitely check those out. Just go on Spotify and search The Expanse. Uh, there's a, um, they have a profile there, which also has a playlist with all the music from the show that's been released so far and all of the character playlists. They're very cool. So I definitely recommend you check those out. Awesome. Yeah. We'll that's something that. else we can break down one day. <laughs> <clears throat> break down, judge everyone's music choices. <laughs> yes. Everyone's. Um, and then the last thing we have here, and this is something we didn't really talk about on any of the previous episodes, but I thought it would be fun to bring into it, um, is that, so if you watch things on Prime Video, they have something called X-Ray. Uh, X-Ray is typically used to show you which actors are on the screen at any given time in case you, like, want to figure out who an actor is, um, and you want to see who they've played and all that. But, um, for Amazon Originals, they also occasionally have, um extra content for the show um bonus content and the expanse gets a lot per episode um there have been script and visual effects breakdowns which were narrated by um dominique tipper frankie adams and steven Strait. um there was also in-show political ads which uh 
there's one that's included in the show notes that we can make fun of later. Um, there's uh, concept art for different shows, and there's an Expanse after show, which is a few minute long uh, thing per episode, moderated by Stephen Strait himself, but his name is spelled with a PH, so I don't think it's really oh, him. Dear. I think it's a body snatcher. I could be wrong. That's so awkward. <laughs> it, it was very... I remember when uh, I was watching it with Ed, who's been on the show before, and he put it on. He's like, oh, this is kind of cool. And like two seconds later, I go, who's Stefan Strait? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened, but yeah, his name is spelled wrong on there. It's very awkward. It is. But it could she... also be a body snatcher whose name is spelled with a PH. You don't know. It could be like know. you. I mean, you're not Shannon. That's true. You're Sully. I'm I'm Shannon in a Sully suit. Yep. Yep. It's very true. Body snatched, you know. So but... how do you get to the X-ray content on the Amazon oh, yes. Prime? Okay, so. Here's, I don't know how you get to it on different apps and things, but if you're watching on your browser, which is how we watch it, if you pause it, you're going to see up in the left-hand corner, it'll say X-Ray, and there's a, an option to view all. If you click that, it'll show you all the content available for that episode. You have to, like, and it changes for every episode, so make sure you check it out every single episode. Very cool. Yeah, so we'll go over, I, I put in what's attached to this at the end of the notes, so we can go over that later. Um, just a quick recap of what's there. So without further ado, let's get on into some discussing about the Expansion. Um, Expansion? Ex Expansion. <laughs> I said discuss, discussing the Expansion with episode five, Oppressor. <laughs> I didn't Might fail. Cool. I did that on purpose. Discussing. All right. Oppressor. <laughs> Episode five is titled Oppressor. So the um, I kind of like I like I usually do. I put I broke down the meaning. So oppressor literally means a person or group that oppresses people. You also have the um, like uh, some other like uses for it are like to keep someone in subservience and hardship, especially by the unjust exercise of authority, or to cause someone to feel distressed, anxious, or uncomfortable, like to oppress. So you have oppressor, the noun, and oppressor, uh, to oppress. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? Murtry. Murtry. Murty. Murty. Morty. Naomi's long-lost lover. Yes. Yes. That's someone. I, yep. I think that another character that also feels very oppressed by her family is Lucia. Mm -hmm. Lucia, sorry. Lucia. Oh my God. Lucia. Um, because they do push her away and shun her very tragically. Mm -hmm. I think a big thing for this is like the feeling of <coughs> like the, the reason I kept the, um, the, uh, verb version of this in here is because like, it, like everyone's situation kind of felt oppressive, mm -hmm. um, in some way, shape or form. Like you have everything, <laughs> everything's kind of going wrong on Illis and that's like, oh, that's oppressing. Um, you have Mertry. 
That's Marjorie. it. I don't even have to explain that. Yeah. Um, you have Naomi explaining uh, what happened with Marco. Um, it just kind of like keeps <laughs> keeps going. And then Avasarala's got some stress going on, you know, just all around, all around bad times. Um, so this episode was written by Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, a.k.a. James S.A. Corey. We always love when they write an episode. It was directed by, and I'm not sure I pronounce his last name, so I'm going to say both both the ones we thought up. Jeff Wolno or Jeff Wolnoff. So Jeff that's W. That. Jeff W. Our good friend. Our good good friend. Um, so we only have two storylines in this episode. And I borrowed the uh, to save time, I borrowed the episode breakdowns from Wikipedia. My mom always told me I had to cite my sources, so Wikipedia. Um <laughs> So uh, real quick, I will obviously we'll start with Earth because it's a little um, shorter, a little less heavy, a little less oppressing. Um, so in Earth's storyline, Avasarela preps for her first debate against Gal. Uh, she's rushed out of the building on camera when there is a security threat. The threat resulted from an unidentified ship approaching Earth that claimed to be a civilian ship experiencing multiple ship failures that goes silent as it courses towards an earth asteroid defense platform <laughs> um and the conflict comes from when avasarala is told that it is the ship that Ava that marco anaro said was destroyed and she chooses to destroy it dun, dun, dun. Uh, i ended up summarizing the summary sorry there were too many words so this whole episode i felt really bad for absarella like just the whole way that she's getting beaten on every side so she has the political thing on illis with um the crew of the rossi and just that whole turmoil and that's bringing her political stance down we have the uh, the sojourner and that whole conflict with the belters um she's got to make a decision there she's losing on the debate side with her rival um she's so skilled in just twisting that the fact that she manipulated the system to get ahead um just avasarella is losing on every front and um her husband even is upset with her and you can see there's just tension all across the board mm -hmm. so where where this is going uh looks really really dire for her and her um role going forward yeah i I was really interested in the because you you mentioned Arjun. I was really interested in that very first scene when she's like getting advice and um, being prepped for the debate, mm -hmm. and her uh, her assistant or whatever tells her um, that she should be like come off like a nurturing family matriarch or whatever. And of course, that's that's never been of Asarala. No. Um, but the fact that she was getting so angry because she's she's also stressed about Illis. Um, I, I wrote down this specific quote because I thought it was great. James Holden and a bunch of belters are forking up our first exploration of an alien world. But yes, let's talk about the grain shipments. Like, exactly. Her priorities are so different, but because she has to focus on this debate, it's stressing her out because she can't focus on what she wants to. She has to focus on what the people of Earth are focusing on. And so that obviously is not... Not, uh, another thing that she's never really been that good at. But you is... know what? Like, this season shows a different side of, of Asarala. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she seems a little bit more disheveled, more not collected, regal <clears throat> as before. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is that there's a lot more cursing that sometimes doesn't fit. Uh, and we, I was talking about it with Fred, and it just feels like they have to fit in a fracks to give agenda. And I'm not convinced that a Vassarella would be that way in the show. I know that in the book she's very pirate-like. But in the TV show, because we've seen not a lot of that in season one to three thrusting us in this pirate talk is crazy i get it i mean the unfortunately i'm sure they would have had her curse more if it weren't for the fact that it started on sci-fi for those first three seasons where they um first of all they were not really allowed to use the f-bomb till season two and they didn't use it much and then season three they did use it but it was all censored so unless you rewatched it all you heard was no cursing so yeah it feels like it's a lot yeah so yeah it feels like it's a lot more cursing. I guess I don't think of it a ton because, like, you guys have read the book, so, like, it doesn't really bother me. It just makes me laugh, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I've noticed a lot of people, like, say that it feels like there's a lot more cursing. And I feel like it's it's just a byproduct of the fact that it was on... It started on U.S. network television and could not have all that cursing on it. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me that what they're doing is because they can they are it's not Mm -hmm. serving the story it's just they're doing it because they can some of the lines when they deliver it it, it's very natural and it seems appropriate for the scene but some of them just don't land very well Mm -hmm. yeah i think for me it made sense for holden to say all the time just because in the book he says it all the time right so like that felt natural avasaral is a little can be a little much but again I don't know if that's just because I'm so used to us not having a ton of cursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? I remember I used to beg, like, please let Holden say, let him say it. Because in the books, he says it all the time, and he's the only one who hasn't. The first time he did it, I was like, finally. Because <laughs> um, it just made no sense. So everyone around him is just cursing. I'm like, he's the, he's the sailor. Like, where is the line is cursed like a sailor. Where is it? Right. So, but yeah, no, I get that. It's, it's it's certainly a criticism or a thought that I've seen other places too. So it's not even like you're the only one who thinks that. Like you are far from the only person. Oh, here. and let's just bring it out here. Uh-oh. That is a Vasarala's husband, not second husband. Some people are saying that she got divorced and married somebody else. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, the yeah. You so- just couldn't come back. Yep, they couldn't get him to come back, so they had to recast him. There's a lot of um, controversy about that as well. Um, just because, I guess, well, it's also, the other problem, I guess, is we haven't seen Arjun in so long. Right. Like, since season two, right? So, yeah. like, I don't, it's hard for me to tell if my issues with Arjun are that they started writing him differently because they had a different actor playing him. Or the different actor has a different perspective, so he plays him differently. Or we just haven't seen him, so I forget what his temperament is like, and it's messing me up. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are, are are saying that, like, the Arjun of before and from the books 
was less critical of her or if he was critical of her, it was a way that was more. Um, I'm not sure what the way to put this It is more thoughtful in a way that isn't meant to be um, like harshly critical, but right. like to make her think about it herself not to be like well you're doing this like it's it's said in a way that makes her think about it right. and so a lot of people are saying like he is meaner and he's not the loving husband she had before and blah 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 and i don't know it's hard for me to have a perspective on just because we haven't seen him in so long well everybody's cracking under pressure so that might yeah. be just one reason why he's acting the way that he's mm -hmm. acting who knows so yeah. in the books and whatnot you, you get a very different feel because you can be in his mind like you can analyze his internal thoughts and they can put that on paper but in a tv show you can't really do that inner monologue so mm -hmm. he has to be a little bit harder um with his acting and with his um with what lines he's delivering to have that same effect mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll take it the fact that they're changing a lot of the characters for the TV show just so it, it'll fit the television better than it would uh, through a book series. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I, I don't like how he's being as critical as um, people are saying he is. And, and I agree. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm Switzerland in this situation. I don't mm. feel too deeply one way or another. So, like, I just, you know, I I see where everybody's coming from kind of thing, where it's like, right. yeah, I agree. But I, I, I don't know how I actually feel. Right. <laughs> I could not put into words how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, But I do want to know about what you guys feel about this, because it kind of weirds me out. I guess what kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, so we've kind of been covering over the last bunch of episodes... Nancy Gao and her um, jumping the line scandal, right? Mm -hmm. And so, of course, it comes up in the debate, as we expect. Um, and, you know, Vassarala talks about how she wants to close the loophole or whatever. And when Gao comes up, and she makes a valid point about, like, being born to, like, a political aristocracy versus, like, having to work your way to a place. But then she kind of loses me a little bit when she's, like... Here are the people who I jumped ahead of. I hired all of them and gave them jobs, and now they're all in better places and blah, blah, blah. Like, it kind of made me think about charity versus earned. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of, like, it felt really braggy to me. Like, yes, I jumped the line, but, like, I hired the guy who came after me to, like, do this thing. And he's really great at it. And now he has this position. And this other person that I skipped ahead of, I hired them. And they're really good at this thing. And they're doing great here. And then she got to the guy who, like, overdosed. And I was like, I'm not sure how you're supposed to be making me feel. Because you're kind of making me hate you more. Like, it feels like you're bragging that, yes, I skipped the line and I cheated. But I gave the people I skipped over a better life. And so I'm still good. Like, I don't know how I should feel about this. It leaves I mean, a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, and if you turned it around, they could have had her position. And right. she could have worked below them, right? So it's still... Like, she makes some valid points about the lottery system. And then turns around and says, but I hired the people I skipped ahead of. Like, mm -hmm. I don't... I don't know how much that, that helps 
the 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 optics of the situation like maybe it does to people who are in basic like oh well but the person who skipped ahead of you and cheated like they still cheated that doesn't change the fact that they cheated a system that could have been fixed if we brought light to it instead of hiding it the only reason light was brought to it was because they found it Right. So she would have gone this whole time letting the loophole happen. Because she didn't do anything to fix the loophole. She just, she used it and then Her, kept going and yeah. hired these people on the side so no one would know, either because she felt bad or because the right thing to do, who knows. But she didn't do anything to fix it until she was confronted with the fact that she cheated. So I guess so, that's why it frustrates me. <laughs> but her whole platform, though, I, I appreciate where she's coming from. And I can understand Avicerella's as well, But so don't get me wrong. But her platform is that they have so many people, like 7,000, I think she quoted, 7,000 people competing for one job. Mm-hmm. And her whole platform is if they were to open the ring gates, the extra 1,300 worlds that those millions of people that are on earth could be employed and they could try to better their own lives mm. um, other than just rotting on basic. Um, where Avicerella's position is, let's we can do that, but let's wait and explore and make sure everything is safe first. Because um, clearly things are not going well on Illus and they have to mm-hmm. uh, reconsider things. I guess my one issue with her position on that, because I do agree with it too. I understand that, you know, going out there, but it feels very manifest destiny, which has proven to be not very good. Um, we we're very critical nowadays of like the whole manifest destiny movement. Like this is open. So it is ours and it is our mm-hmm. destiny to take it. Those that ring space doesn't belong to anyone. And she's claiming it for earth. She's saying, well, these are so earthers can have jobs, but you're forgetting that, there are Martians who are going to need jobs and yep. there are Belters yep. who are going to need jobs. So you're deciding that the ring space is for the unemployed on basic earthers. And, you know, there are other people who are going to need jobs too. So it just feels very echoey of manifest destiny, which is a, something we're critical of and something they've kind <clears> of hinted at in the show um, with some scenes from drummer later on in the season that are very like, you know, very Earth-centric thinking. Well, even if we go back to the whole Ellis versus New Terra story, mm. um, RCE has claimed the planet as their own without going there, just because they declared it was theirs. Mm-hmm. Where the Belters who claimed it as their own as New Terra, they were the first to set foot on the planet. So really, it should be theirs. Because if ownership and possession is nine tenths of the law, then you're there, and they can they can back it up with their their right and their claim on it. So, but is it really either of theirs? That's a whole nother debate. Um, no one else is there. The I guess the proto molecule people can claim it would be theirs, but they're extinct now. Mm. So a lot of gray areas and that's what makes the expanse so fascinating there is no wrong answer right and there's no right answer either well except murtry um (laughs) and marco just kidding um (laughs) well don't worry we'll get to marco one day and you will hear all about it um but i still is there like 
And of course, you know, we actually we do have to speak about Marco. So <laughs> she gets dragged out of the, the debate, which is a bad look, first of all. Very bad look to like have a security threat just when someone owns you on stage and get dragged off. Oh, yeah, I would completely argue that that her being removed from the situation is what cost her the debate. Oh, yeah, because like, you know, Nancy Gao had just like flipped the flipped the story on on the whole like scandal. And then yeah. all of a sudden she's taken off stage. Yeah, so Avastarella wasn't able to launch any comeback or say anything or do anything or have any other future debate over any other topics as well. So she lost the debate based on her being removed from the situation. Mm -hmm. And what didn't help was why she was removed from the situation, which is the fact that the Sojourner was on a collision course with an asteroid detection platform. Mm -hmm. um asteroid defense platform whatever you want to call it it's kind of a little bit of both um so they the it's first of all so the ship info they initially get says that it's it's the sign on uh s-i-n-o-n not sign on but sign on um but when they check the drive signature it's actually the sojourner which we have been told and led to believe that Marco broke apart and sold for scrap and let most of the uh, passengers go, which is what we're told. Mm -hmm. And now we're finding out that possibly those same passengers are still on the Sojourner and are now on a collision path with this Earth, with this asteroid detection platform. So she is told she could destroy it or she could try and see you know figure out what the truth is because it put out a uh, a distress signal saying that it had no comms no no navigation nothing and of course she chooses to destroy it when she when she realizes the sojourner just to be like because obviously it you need that asteroid detect defense platform and then we find out that it's the sojourner for sure and Gao uses it to blame Avasarala's policy of closing the rings for why they're dead. So I think that she made the right decision to destroy it. Mm. I mean, she's there for Earth. She does not know what that threat is. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was a shoot first, ask <clears throat> questions later, because if you don't shoot first, there might be bigger problems. Right. So she went with the information that that ship should have been scrap and right. should not have been there in the first place so why is it there so there is a lie somewhere tied in in between um so I, I don't know i just think that she made the right decision so one of the things i kind of question is the military general that pulled her from the debate so yes there's a, a ship that is on a collision course with this um, anti-asteroid platform Military protocol would say that if any enemy ship were to come within a certain uh, range of this thing, it's going to be blown up anyway. So the same outcome would have happened if they let Avasarella continue her debate. Now, right. that general already has something against her, and I think that might be another motivation for pulling her from the debate. 
Hmm. Or maybe it's because there's a potential for civilians being on there. I don't know, but it just seemed a little too convenient. Yeah. Very, very convenient. So and that's what that's what made it feel weird too. The timing and everything and it just kept going weird. Right. It, it seems like he was trying to sabotage her her platform. Mm. Political platform, not the asteroid platform. Ha 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 ha. I see what you did there. Yes. Um Yeah, I I mean obviously Gao because she she left the uh the UN, she's not really privy to like any of the decision making technically. She doesn't, you know, um, at least so in, in the US, I think unless you are the like final candidate, you are not given like any kind of um, confidential information mm-hmm. to that kind of thing. I don't know if she would still be privy to that, but the fact that, you know, she was like, well, these people died because they were out there waiting. I mean, maybe if you like connect the dots like really loosely. It's Avasarala's fault for not letting them through the ring. But, like, it also was sabotaged by a terrorist. Right. Like, you can't account for that. That's not something you can, like, you know, statistic out. Like, this random ship, this random colony ship out here is going to be attacked by a terrorist and hijacked and sent to attack us, and we're going to know that there's people on it and blah, blah, blah. So, like, it's almost kind of like a scene we see with Naomi and Holden later when he's like, well, this is my fault. And she says, well, then it's this person's fault and that person's fault and that person's like all the way down. And it's like, maybe it's Avasarala's fault, but really it, it. Ultimately it's Marco's fault. Ultimately it's Marco's fault. Avasarala ordered the missile, Mm -hmm. but Marco ordered the ship to be in the place where she needed to defend it. So, As, but whether as, she knows that or not, who knows? But it's convenient for her. Right. So. Anything else on the Earth story? I just had one loose thought I thought was interesting right at the beginning when she gets... Um, oh, wait, am I thinking of the next episode? Don't don't say anything yet. Hold on. I had a thought, and then I realized maybe I don't actually know what episode it's from. Yeah, never mind. It's for the next episode. No, I have nothing else to say about this storyline. Awesome. Well, why don't we go over to Ellis? What's happening there? Good question, because a lot. Get ready yeah. for this one, guys, because this is knows a whole anymore. nanny. Right, that's why I was about a to read the nanny? wrong notes. This thing is a whole nanny. This one I might have to read because it's so much. On Illis, Holden takes command of the settlement but is unable to resolve the escalating tensions between Belters and the RCE crew. LV Okoye pieces together Holden's connection to the alien technology. Believing the settlement is in danger from reactivating alien tech, Holden attempts to rally the Earthers and the Belters to put aside their differences and leave the planet, but neither faction budges, both unwilling to accept the risk of forfeiting their claim. In the orbiting Rasinante, Lucia learns from her husband, who is still in the settlement, that their daughter has disappeared. Following an acrimonious conversation with him and blaming herself for her family due to her involvement on the landing pad bombing, Lucia attempts suicide. 
Alex finds and saves Lucia, and Naomi counsels her to deal with her guilt, drawing from her own life experience as a lover and accomplice to Marco and Aros. Later, Alex discovers that an island on the far side of Illus has exploded <laughs> in what appears to be a massive fusion react reactor failure, generating a gigantic shockwave that begins to speed across the planet's surface. Where the heck do we begin? Oh man. Um there's so much to talk about and break down in this storyline. It's it's wild. Uh, okay, can we start with the Lucia uh yeah, suicide oh, attempt? Let's listen, I'm down to start with whatever you guys want to start with. Dang. Okay, so she is full of guilt over the people that she hurt trying to prevent the RCE from coming. Um her obviously her intentions were to blow up the landing pad, not blow up or damage the incoming ship. That was absolutely mm. not her fault. Uh, she tried to stop the bombing. So, but she was still involved with the bomb itself. So she felt really guilty for everyone that died. Um, so when she's injured, um, and the guilt of her family finding out, she doesn't want to go on with life. The big question and big issue that I have with this whole scene is that the Rosinantari is a military ship, and Everyone that would come on board, they would put basically sensors on every crew member mm -hmm. and every visitor that was going to be there for an extended period. And the Rosinante would monitor the signals, like the heart signals and all that, coming from each person on the ship. Especially right. somebody that's just gone through surgery. You would literally yes. want to be monitoring that just to see how she's progressing or if something right. bad were, were to happen. So... The fact that they weren't alerted to her blood loss, um, I, I just found it was a really big surprise. Mm -hmm. I have no issue with what was happening, and that, but my feeling was that Alex should have been alerted by the Rosinante that the um, that Lucia was having medical distress. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason for him to go storm into her room, not bringing her food or trying to reason with her. Yeah, I agree. That was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. It still feels like he wants to get in her pants. So it's kind of strange. But I think that it would have been better that the Rossi would have alerted the ship that something was going on with one of the crew members, like Fred said. I think that that would have been a better idea. Yeah, it just felt really like I I I guess I get where they're coming from, what they were trying to do. They're trying to make it harder, I guess, for them to save her to make it more of a thing. Because if they had found her initially, it would have been easier. And so, you know, what have you, what have you. But at the same time, it feels weird that like everyone else, like the ship tracks them, and yet this time, this one time. So yeah, I, I get that. That's I would have preferred that it be kind of like, oh, we have a medical emergency, we gotta go deal with it, rather than right. They're trying like to make here. it. They're trying to make it happen organically, but right. I think I think it failed. Yeah, it did feel a little weird because it's. I'm not gonna lie. The first time I watched it, it took me a second to realize exactly what she was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, just so, because of the way it happened. Like, I didn't quite get what was happening until she actually, like, passed out that she was what she was choosing to do or whatever. Because at first it just felt like a weird panic. And then all of a sudden, like, I didn't see the decision happen. So just to make it clear, like, she got off the phone with her husband. 
Yeah. Um, and the stress or whatever she was doing caused her to tear a stitch, and she started bleeding out. And then mm. because of the outcome of the conversation with her husband, she decided to just let it happen and bleed yeah. out. And she gave up in that moment. Yeah, it took me a couple watches to kind of figure out exactly when she made that decision and such. I thought that the um, surgery scene was very intense. I really enjoyed it. I thought that... Um... I really enjoyed surgery scenes. No, I just... It I felt know, I just... <laughs> like the stakes were high and that yeah. it could have gone either way. Um, so mm. I was really happy how it turned out. And the conversation between... Her and Naomi was so nice at the very end and how Naomi could relate to her mm -hmm. because she was at that low point before. Um, because it's not just about her husband turning away from her. It's the guilt of killing so many people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, you know, a lot of... I remember, so reading the books... In the books, first of all, the, the character that is Lucia is actually... Um, so they, they did a lot of changing for this storyline, a lot. But in the books, it was Lucia's husband, who was a character that had been previously in the books, um, who, who did the thing, and he bonds with Alex. And I remember a lot of people thinking, like, well, how is this going to, you know, work out? How is this going to, how is she supposed to bond with Alex in the same way, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, actually, I prefer that she bonds with Naomi. Because the thing right. I've noticed with Naomi is that she may not open up to the crew as easily, but she will open up to people who need to hear what she's been through and that she's been through it. So mm. Prax is the first character who knew she had a kid. Not her boyfriend, not her quote-unquote best friend, Amos. None of them knew she had a kid, but Prax did. She told him because he needed to hear that she was a parent and did know what, she was, what he was going through because he said, you have no idea what I'm going through. And she had to tell him, right. well, actually, I do. Um, she didn't, you know, open up to Holden until she needed him to understand something. And so she told him. She's the kind of person who keeps these things close, but if someone needs to hear it or needs to understand something, she will. That's how she uses her story. That's how she empathizes. Yeah. By telling them, no, I know what you're going through, and here's how I know it. And so I, I really appreciate that they used this this storyline, which was in the book but with a different character, to get Naomi to tell more of her story because they've been using the show to get her to tell this story that you don't find out until book five. Right. Um, because you never get her perspective. And I appreciate how they use Lucia's story to give us Naomi's story. Even if she hasn't told the crew yet, if she hasn't told them how much they mean to her, anything like that, at least we get to hear it. And that's what's and, important. And the nice thing is that Naomi is not the type of character who will be like, oh, it's okay. Everything will be okay. Like she won't say it unless she is, sure that things are going to be like that mm -hmm. and i think that her relating to lucia this way is much more authentic and real to her character because she's not just telling her that things are going to be better she's just saying you can either die or you can see things through like i did because things do get better mm -hmm. and i really do like what she said to her when she said um you know, she she told her that she tried to kill herself, but 
she's glad she didn't because she likes the life that she's living. Mm-hmm. And she has a family that loves her and she loves them back. Right. And um, I'm trying to remember the exact quotes. I know I wrote it down. I wrote down the whole conversation because there was such like there's so much to talk about in one conversation that's a little crazy. Um, but she said, um, if you want to die, I can't stop you. But there is a path from where you are to where I am. And like, I just thought that was like so good and it's a way of like saying things can get better without saying they will get better right i think it was a really really powerful statement it really Mm -hmm. shows or teaches uh felsia that you can get to where i am i was there Mm. and it it just it hit so hard and i I really enjoyed it obviously it turned her character around as well Mm mm-hmm just a lot of good there and and well when i say a lot of good obviously i mean there's a lot of good character development there for naomi opening up to someone obviously it's not good because uh as i said earlier we we got marco's side of the story and i thought it was fishy and this is why um because naomi's story tells a very different one yeah um that she was manipulated uh and used and was she was you know she was caught up in the romance of it all and then her codes were used to murder people and not only murder people murder over 500 people mm-hmm. which kind of brings really hard into reality all the things she said to Holden about how people got hurt in her past and she didn't want to get caught up in that anymore like every time she said that you finally understand just what she means that something she created killed over 500 people and it was a person she loved and trusted and he was going to make her do it again. Mm-hmm. And um, Naomi's not that kind of person. So it, it just it's horrible what he did. And I think it's easier to believe her story, not only because we know her and we love her, but because we've seen the kind of person he is. Right. And so it's easier to to believe her story because his just sounds like the story told by a liar, first of all, which I said when we recorded that episode, but also because now we've seen he is willing to just kill people. Right. To do whatever, whatever he's up to. He's willing to kill a lot of people or have other people kill for him. And Naomi has never been that kind of person. So why would she ever want to get involved in that? Right. Yeah. So it's there was a lot in that conversation, and I cried watching it. It was a lot. Oh well. It was a lot. I just felt like he's. I love Naomi, um, and I knew this was kind of coming eventually, but the way it was told just made me feel a lot. Right. Because in the books, you never hear it told. Naomi just explains it bit by bit over, uh, you know, chapters and chapters. And then when she does tell Holden, it's it's not you don't actually hear her tell him. So to hear her actually say it like this is what happened. This is what I did. And this is how I felt like it was a lot all at once. And Dominique did an incredible job. So. Yeah, it was really good. Awesome. Well, let's take a look at what's happening down on the planet. Yeah, with these dumb butts. 
All these dummies. Everybody all these dummies. Everybody beating their chest and and oh man, there's there's a one of my favorite scenes is in this episode, I think, uh, for the whole season. So down there. But yeah, so basically, um, Holden has, uh, you know, we saw him beat up Murtry and he's back and he's ready to tell people what to do. And that that what we're going to do is evac the planet and nobody takes it well. Nobody. So he storms into the. Into the camp and nobody wants to do anything like. Nope. Just that chip on the shoulder that he has, I thought was like the first time we're seeing him act like a captain. Mm-hmm. He's taking so, charge. He's taking charge. That scene with, with Murtry when he's trying to get Amos set free. First of all, I got a huge kick out of the, the Marco Polo they had going on. Yeah. <laughs> when, he, when you could hear him calling for Amos across the camp. Um, <clears throat> but that scene where he's like, He's not listening to Murtry. He's not trying to reason with him. He is telling him how it is. Yeah. Right. And that very much is captain behavior. Um, like everything he said, he was like, I'm done with this. Like, you know, you're not in charge. I don't care. And but like the thing is that and I kind of got this vibe that Murtry's whole like, well, my people died and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just trying to do this for them. It's like it feels like he's trying to convince him like. He's trying to use it to make his point, like that they should stay. And it's like, that's ice cold, man. Right. Like, you know, oh, everyone thinks I'm the bad guy. Well, yeah, because you are. Like he 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 started to come from a place of reason until he started killing people. So. Yeah, I can. Holden's just done. And and he's like, you know, Murtry tries to, like, give him this whole thing. Um Oh, you want to keep your people safe? Blah, blah. Holden's just like, yeah, I see right through it. I'm done. Just get, we need to get off this planet. And he just tries to sell everyone on getting off the planet. No one, no one buys what he's selling at all. Yeah, because everybody thinks that he's BSing and that the reason why he's saying that something's waking up is because he actually wants everybody to leave. Mm hmm. Yeah, things are really tense. And Holden's very scary now that he's angry that whole first scene with with amos and murtry hold it was a little scary yeah. just a little bit like not enough like it's still like the way he got really close to me he's like i'll make sure you get to tell your story in court at a murder trial mm. i was like oh shit <laughs> like <laughs> that's not good yeah he's finally getting to i don't want to say he's scary but he's finally getting to that point where he's just fed up and yeah. it took him long enough to get there. He's at that point now where this is where it needs to go. We have to get off the planet. Things that are happening are bad. Um, and let's just stop our squabbling and focus together on a single goal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why he just didn't kill Murtry. I think that probably would have been the easiest way. We know why way. he didn't kill Murtry. <laughs> he you still know has why. some kind of a conscience. <laughs> Yeah, he's because he believes in in the law and the law is, well, I can't kill him just because he's doing bad stuff. He has to go to trial because um, even listen, we're, we're saying this. He turned in Jules Pierre Mao, who he could have totally killed because he killed 50 of his friends. Right. So Holden Holden doesn't see well he they killed my people as an as an excuse because Holden didn't even kill the guy who ordered the murder of his 50 friends. 
He straight up brought him in for trial. <laughs> There's a precedence for this. Well, I mean, he can't be judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, he can't be the man he um, is claiming to fight against either, because then no one will take him seriously. Um, but in some way, you can justify it. Like, they are months away from any courtroom that mm-hmm. would be able to, to, to do a trial. Everyone on the planet knows how bad Mercury is. Not a single person would probably question him if he shot him. But there's a chance also Holden could face trial for the same reasons that Murtry would have faced trial. If he just went up and shot him, the RCE could claim, well, this this guy doesn't matter why he murdered our guy. Because even in the U.S., you know, they, they still punish people who kill people in self-defense here. Yeah, but OK, so they are 100, 200 meters away from the Rossi. No one else is around. But I'm just saying, the RCE could report him just as if, if Holden had, yeah. if, if Murtry had killed Holden or something, that would have been reported. He could have gotten arrested. If Holden had gone and killed Murtry, regardless of how bad he was, yeah. it's still breaking the law as Holden sees it. And so he still could have been reported by the RCE to Earth for killing him, whether, because there is no justification. There's no right, like... They don't see a right and a wrong of the story here. They just see our story versus your story, both sides. Mm-hmm. So the problem is that RCE's story is going to be like, well, Holden came in and killed our guy because he was trying to keep our people safe. They're not going to see, well, the Belters killed those people first, so like it was justified, whatever, and then he killed people. It doesn't matter. It's not They follow Earth law. Earth law would say Holden killed him regardless of why, so he's got to be put on trial. I'm Holden just saying, sees that. there was not going to be any witnesses where they were. <laughs> There's a, all the RCE people are still there, Fred. No, no, no. They were really close to the Rosinante. Mercury came out to the Rossi. Oh, I see what you're saying. And he's heading back to camp. And that's when Holden decked him. Right. So wouldn't take much to put a bullet in him, dig a little hole. Yeah, but Holden ain't going to do that. Cover it over. Holden ain't that kind of guy. Yeah, he, he's gonna take this man to trial. He don't care. Um, he could have also put handcuffs on him, walked him over to the Rossi. He could have, but then he would have been with Lucia, and who knows what would happen then. Well. Yeah, see? Holden knows what he's thinking. Um, so, <laughs> whatever we were talking about. So, yeah, that uh, clearly, uh, <clears throat> talking to Murtry, Murtry says, like, fine, we'll go, but, like, he says to Wei, we're going to be the last ones to go because both of these sides are thinking, well, we're all going to leave the planet, but whoever's the last man standing on this planet has the claim. So the Belters don't want to leave because they think if they leave, they'll lose their claim. Our Murtry doesn't want to leave because if he leaves, he's afraid that the, well, not afraid, but the Belters will enforce their claim so he can't leave. So Holden's trying to convince these people, like, uh, he specifically said to Murtry, like, this isn't about your claim on this planet anymore. Like, he's trying to convince him that there's more important things to worry about than who owns this planet. And everyone's just like, well, I only care about who owns this planet. Mm-hmm. So, like, back and forth he goes, back and forth he goes. Everybody is, like, saying the same thing. But I think the bit that really got to him more than anything um, is when he goes to see Carol, um... Uh, who is the leader of the Belters and he's trying to convince her to leave and, and she tells him 
you know. Well, first of all, I love the bit where she tells him you have no way of knowing that. And Amos is like, well, he he actually does. Um, but I think the bit that really hits Holden is Carol basically accuses him of working with the RCE. <clears throat> and Holden really does not take that well. Um, she said, I don't know if you're using Murtry or he's using you. If we leave, they'll never let us come back. So you go if you want to. And I think that hit Holden really hard because all he's done is work against Murtry. Like all he's done. And so when he tells them, like, I'm you guys could die if you don't get off this planet. And he's told that he could be working with Murtry. Like, oh man, that that looked like that hit him really hard. Well, to be fair, a lot of the bad stuff that's been happening on the planet wouldn't have happened if he didn't show up. Right. Which he he owns up to later. He's like, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um but like I just love that he's been like he's been fighting the RCE for them this whole time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he's he's through Holden's way. He's standing up on behalf mm-hmm. of the Belters against the RCE, especially against Murtry and Carol Chihuahua and the rest of the Belters really aren't seeing it mm-hmm. because they're they're blind to the fact that they're still being oppressed. They're still being asked to leave. The RCE is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't see the work that Holden is doing. And they want to try and take it another way. Yeah. Uh, be it through conflict or be it through protest or mm-hmm. turning to the airways and making a political statement. Yep. Kidnapping RC officers, holding them hostage and sending out a video message. Yeah. Uh, which is what they do. Um, so... I I do want to say another great moment before I get into the the big conflict of the episode is when <laughs> Holden there was a scene like I forget in which book it was where they said oh there no, it is in book four because I've been reading book four um, when Holden finds out that there's a plot to kill him his his reaction is observed as more offended than angry and there's a scene where they kind of portray something similar he goes to see LV and LV you know stops him. And he's like, this isn't a great time. And she goes, I don't care. And he just looks at you and goes, you seem angry at me. <laughs> like, he is so offended that somebody could be angry at him. Mm-hmm. It just made me laugh after I read that bit. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, how everything's his fault. So he just wants the... her to have a crush on him. Yo, that was one of the worst part of the parts of the book. I'm not going to lie. That was one of the yeah, weakest no, parts of the book. Not the worst, the weakest. Um, it was cute until it wasn't. Um, they, they took it on a little too long, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, she confronts him about everything, which uh, gets really put into focus because the Belters kidnap RCE officers and hold them hostage. Uh, and basically, you know, use it as leverage, like they killed our people and we want to stay. So um, Holden kind of has to figure out what we're going to do next because Murtry wants to gas the Belters. So what does he do? He calls Naomi, who reminds him that, first of all, this is not his fault and tells him to be himself, which leads to, I think, the funniest moment of the episode. He literally walks between all the guns with his hands up and tells everyone he's unarmed and Amos just says well he's being him yep um so like 
this the the Belter conflict and and Holden feeling his need to tell the truth because everything's his fault. Do do you think it's gonna work? Like without talking about the rest of the episode, did you think it was gonna work? Yay or nay, Andrea? No. It always Fred, backfires did, for him. <laughs> but he still tries, which tries, is something that uh, I appreciate. Right. Know, first you don't succeed, try try again, right? <laughs> Somebody will believe him one day. <laughs> exactly. One day. He has the best intentions, but no, it's not gonna work out. Um the only way that I really see this conflict being resolved is if the belt, Earth, and Mars each get an equal stake of this planet. Mm. And that's not going to be decided on the planet. That's going to be decided no. outside. And RCE as a company will be told, you don't get to own the entire planet. And the mm -hmm. belt gets told, you don't get to own the entire planet. And they accept right. it. Yep. The, basically, I really liked Naomi's point. Like, you know, you can't make the decision for them. You have to let them decide. Right. And he tries that. that. That backfires. Exactly as you say, it backfires. Um, and everyone yells at him. And he's <laughs> told he's crazy. Um, and that everything well, on the planet's his fault. He's going in as an angry parent looking to spank someone. And it backfires. <laughs> totally does. Because they're not yeah. children. child spanks them back? <laughs> well, right. they throw it back in his face that this is his, his face. fault. <laughs> I really, um, there were like a couple of, you know, I, I really like how Holden came into there other than the putting your hands up thing. Um, cause he, he doesn't lie the whole time. Isn't like, that's not why I'm here. I haven't told you the truth. And if I had, maybe you'd understand the bigger issues at play and you wouldn't be wasting your time over this territorial bullshit. This plan is not what you think it is. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, actually I, I have an imaginary friend and blah, blah, blah. And Anytime the imaginary friend comes up, it's like, what kind of great stuff is going to be said about the imaginary friend this time? Um, but I think I also really appreciated Amos. And I always appreciate Holden and Amos because they there was a time when these two men were willing to kill each other. Yeah, they were at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. And now you have Amos standing up in front of all these people saying that he's been right about everything so far and, like, backing his play and something he's been doing since the end of season three. So it, it was very nice, but, of course, the, the whole moment is ruined by a huge explosion. Or made better, <laughs> of, you never of, know, I don't of know. Of emotions, of an island, of whatever, <laughs> who of a ship, who knows? Big explosion, everything goes on. Everything is, is, is shut down by a big explosion. And that's the end of the episode. Does anyone have any other lingering thoughts, lingering um, concerns about uh, any other any other things that happened? A lot of things happened in this episode, so. <clears throat> um, that's pretty much everything I thought I wanted to cover. Uh, Andrea, um, I thought that it was very interesting. I like seeing the comments from some of the fans and how they're feeling about the episodes. And a lot of people mm -hmm. did not agree with the fact that the Rocinante helped Lucia. That in their perspective, Murtry is completely on the right and that they're defending the wrong people. And I thought that was a very interesting take. I think my, my response to that take is and always has been that yes, Naomi is the one who helped Lucia, 
but and, and this is how it was portrayed in the book. It wasn't this isn't how it was shown in the show, but Holden took um I'll just say Lucia for ease of for people who don't read the books. Holden takes Lucia on the ship to protect her from Murtry's justice because Holden just like he thinks Murtry should face justice, he thinks that Lucia would have to face a fair trial as well, not murder by by Murtry. So it, it it's kind of in the book it was a deal he struck to kind of keep the peace. You know, we'll take we'll take him prisoner just to appease you, but we also don't want to allow you to kill him anymore or he, to try and agreed, kill him anymore. Yeah, he agreed to take her on board as a prisoner. To bring her back for trial. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, so they didn't really talk about that in the TV show. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different. So I can see how some fans would take that as they're supporting, uh, unfairly supporting the, the Belters. Yeah. Like, I, I wish, I don't remember, I, at least I didn't write one down if there's a line where Holden, they could have put in something where Holden says, like, you know, she'll face trial too, but like... Not at your, not the end of your gun, you know, something right. like that, because, you know, Holden won't let anyone just get straight up murdered, regardless of right. what they've done. He won't let anyone get straight up murdered. He wouldn't even he wasn't even a fan of Miller shooting an actual like genocidal maniac. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing with Holden is like he believes in justice like that is his whole, he's a paladin, for God's sakes. So, yeah, he he would want Lucia to face justice as easily as Murtry, but it would not be a judge, jury, executioner kind of thing. It would be real justice. Like, she'd be right. able to tell her story in court because her involvement in the explosion is is pretty murky at, at this point. Like, yeah, we've, we've seen it now, but, like, it also was made clear that she wanted nothing to do with it, and she stayed out of it afterwards. She kept saying, I don't want any part of this and blah, blah, blah. And she tried to stop it and everything. But like Murtry keeps acting like she's still fully involved because other people kept saying she was. She never got to tell her side. And so Holden would find it very important that she could in court, just like Murtry should be able to tell his side in court. They should be judged fairly, not by the people who disagree with them. And no, so absolutely. I wish they kept like a line in or something. So it didn't seem like Holden was just harboring fugitives. Right. And I think Holden that was one adopts of the short- anyone he meets. Yeah. I think that was one of the shortcomings of the episode, that, mm-hmm. the way that they told that piece of the story. And I, I liked more uh, how they explained it in the book versus what mm-hmm. they did on the TV set. Yeah, there was like and there was good stuff there in the books, too, of like. Holden Amos making sure that he could contact his family and things like that um, that were really well done while still being, like, critical of what they did. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a good thing to talk about because it is a little... It is a little weird that Holden's now harboring, harboring a fugitive and has nothing to say about it. Right. He's, he's too angry that his girlfriend was almost killed. Anything else? Nope. I think that's so, it. That's it. Uh, quick breakdown of what was in the X-ray material. The after show focused on Murtry using his victimhood to his advantage, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, Murtry and Holden both thinking they know what's best and Naomi telling Holden he actually doesn't know what's best. Holden's visceral need to tell the truth. 
Alex's relationship with Lucia and Amos's relationship with Wei. There was also a Nancy Gao political ad, which you guys should definitely watch because it's truly hilarious. Uh, It uses the ring and projects like images onto it, like um, fanciful images of Earth, because the idea is like what could be on the other side of the ring. And it says things like the wisdom of all the great traditions say that we should have faith for great things are coming. It's like it's a cheesy political ad. All the political ads were written by Daniel Abraham. They're very funny. Um, There's also a concept art of the Rossi ops and flight decks and the Illis settlement and the houses like built from shipping containers. So it's very cool. And you should check it out. Awesome. Thank you. Mm. You know me. I'm here to find the content. I love it. All right. So if there is nothing else for us to say about this episode called Oppressor, um, if you have any thoughts or ideas or anything that you want to talk to us about that we didn't mention during this episode, you can find us online um, at uh, typebeam at randomchatter.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the typebeam at randomchatter, which is what keeps our lights on at the typebeam. You can also find Shannon, Fred, and myself uh, um, on Twitter. Um, Shannon, where can they find you? You can find me pretty much anywhere in my Sully onesie at ShankBeezy. Fred? You can find me on Twitter at Kenobi. That's F-R-E-D-D-Y-W-O-N Kenobi. And you can also find me on Twitter at CatsBears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. And you can also find us on Instagram at RandomChatter. You can also go to randomchatter.com and explore all the different shows that we are all part of. And if you like other things other than the Expanse, you can also look at things such as superheroes, Star Wars, and more. So what's really good for podcasts like us is 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 spreading the word you know podcasts they don't get commercials and stuff uh the only way people can find out about us is through other people and some of the ways you can help to spread the word about the type beam is you could leave reviews uh you can leave reviews on wherever you know wherever your podcasts are sold wherever you like to listen to your podcasts um another thing is you could just leave ratings you don't even have to leave a review you could just drop some stars our way on places like itunes um you could also share the show on social media retweet um like the episode tweets and retweet different things about the show like a lot of sometimes we post little tidbits about the making of the show things like that also important word of mouth tell your friends about us i'm sure you have friends who like the expanse tell them we have a fun podcast where sometimes we don't even talk about the expanse it's great it's fun people like spontaneity uh, so yeah, you know, help us spread the word, get our show out there, and we can also spread, you know, our other shows <clears throat> from the Random Shadow Network. As Shannon mentioned earlier in the episode, we do have a T Public store and we do have new merchandise available. If you want to know how to get there, just visit our website randomchatter.com/store, and that will take you to our T Public site, where again you can get T-shirts and hoodies and all kinds of stuff there. Um, if you want to support the network itself, you can come to randomchatter.com slash Patreon. Um, that will tell you how you can uh, help donate to the show. Um, for $1 a month, you could join our Discord community. 
And our Discord community is located at randomchatter.com slash Discord. It's completely free for all of the show channels and for the main lobby. But if you do become a member and you support the network by paying a dollar a month, you can join the rest of the feeds. And there's lots of great conversations going on. Um, last but not least, the music that you hear in this episode is Ursa Minor by Swell Dweller. And all trademarks are owned by the respective owners. Thank you and good night. <laughs>